0: Hey, today we're wrapping up our series that we've been in for six weeks on healthy marriages and dating and relationships, and I'm to tell you that I really anticipate that today's message is going to be the most practical and hopefully one of the most helpful that you've heard in a long, long time to help people who are preparing for marriage, for helping people that are already married, and quite honestly, it will affect all of our relationships if we apply this Very, very practical message today. So we're going to kind of dive in, and I want to begin by talking about the difference between intentions and actions. The difference between intentions and your actions, what we intend to do and what we actually do. The disconnect there is monumental a lot of times. I mean, nobody's ever gotten married and say, you know what? I mean, I love you now, but later I'm going to be a loser and I'm going to be a jerk. I mean, I intend to be a good husband, but, I, you know, it's probably not, not going to happen. I mean, I intend to be a good husband. I intend to be a good wife. We intend to have a great marriage, but quite honestly, well, it's, we're, we're going to be bad. Nobody does that. For example, in our home, there's um, one rule that my wife and I kind of established, and that is whoever's the last person out of the bed makes the bed. Anybody have a rule like that? How many of you make your bed? How many of you don't? Because you're like, you're going to mess it up again. I don't like you people. (laughs) I like to get in a bed that's nice and well put together, right? Get on those cool sheets. I love that. Anyway, we'll talk more about that. But anyway, so... Sometimes I mean, we'll even play a game. Like if it's a Saturday morning, we don't have to get up on that rare occasion. It'd be like I'm trying to anticipate when she gets up so I can jump out like a second before and be like, haha, you gotta make the bed, right? But anyway. And on those occasions, you know, when she gets up before me and, and I'm up last and I'm thinking, oh, I need to do that, but I've got a routine, right? I, I gotta get going quick because I I don't set my alarm too early. If normally I'm up before my alarm, but like I have a quick get her upper. And I got just enough time, I've got everything laid out for the next day, and I hit the ground. And so sometimes I intend to do it, but I don't, and I'm trying to calculate what time will she be home. Can I get home before her, make the bed she still doesn't? (laughs) know. Sometimes I don't get it done. Now, I'll typically make it then before bed because I still like to get into a nice bed. But sometimes what I intend to do and my action don't quite match. And my guess is maybe that's not your scenario, but you got a scenario, and you can quickly understand that we all have good intentions, but there's a disconnect oftentimes, a lot of times, between what we intend to do and our actions. We're going to talk about that. And I wonder how many times in a week, how many times in a month, how many times in a year... Do you and I say something like this? Well, I intended to do it. I mean, like, come on, give us some credit. I intended to do it, I just didn't do it. My action didn't show up, but I intended to. I mean, I had the right idea when I went into this, right? And you know what I found about that? We tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. Like, I give myself a lot of grace. I really intended to make the bed. I just didn't do it. But I kind of get credit. Now, if she doesn't do it, then I'm like, come on, what? Are we had an agreement, Right? So we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge other people by their actions. And in this final week of our series, what I want to do is I want to talk about how do we close that gap? We need to close the gap because do you understand? There's a big difference of how it plays out day to day in real life between what I intend to do. But if my actions don't match my intention, that is a big, big deal. And I don't think most people understand how big of a deal is it in our relationships, in our marriages, in our homes. And so I want to talk about how do we close that gap because I believe with all my heart to have the relationship that God wants you to have, to have the marriage that God wants you to have, this is a big, big deal. And it's going to be very practical today. Trust me, you're going to have a good time. You're probably going to laugh. You're going to go away and say, "Holy cow!" My guess is, and you'll find out why, men. You're going to want to read your Bible more than you're probably reading it right now. Let me just—we're we're going somewhere today. So, if you would take out your message outlines, we're going to look at three simple thoughts. And I don't know about you, but there's power in simplicity. Three statements that I promise you, if you will apply them they will change your relationship, they will change your marriage, they will change your home, and these are something you can easily remember. This is going to be so simple, and if you'll let the Holy Spirit kind of work on you and commit these to memory, you'll actually see these three thoughts will be monumental in changing your marriage, your relationships, I really believe that. So, number one, it's actually a thought we've covered before in a previous message. I'm going to cover it again today, and I'll probably cover it again down the road because it's so, so, so crucial. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it every single time. We need to train ourselves that when I think something good about my wife, when I think something good about my mother, my father, my grandchild, whatever it is, your kids, when you think something good, say it. Because we intend to say it. We know we feel it. That's what we're thinking. But oftentimes, we don't say it. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived outside of Jesus, there, he said there was power in the tongue. Your tongue has the ability to create life and to add life to people, but that same tongue also has the power of death. You can destroy people or you can build people up with the very same tongue. And Solomon was great at utilizing his words when he thought something good to say it. He didn't just think it. Everything he thought that was good, he actually said it. And if you and I would do that, it's going to change a lot. You'll be amazed. Now, If you want to have a life-giving marriage, you've got to say these things. If you want to destroy marriage, don't say them. Just think good things, but never say it. Because when you think something good and you don't say it, people tend to think the worst. They don't really think you think that way. So every single time you think something good, something positive, say it to your spouse. Why would you rob them? Of a blessing that you've already thought about, you just didn't get it out of your mouth and say it to them, so they have no idea that you're even thinking it. So we're gonna do that. In fact, Solomon, he he's like the, the master complimenter. I, I mean, this guy was so good at he never just thought something good, he always said something good. He never was just thinking about something good, he would say something good. He's yeah, and there's a big difference, right? Can you get it? There's a difference between your intention and your action. You can think it all day, but nobody ever hears that. You can say, I was going to send you a card, but you didn't. They didn't know you were going to send them a card. Look at Song of Solomon chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. And let me just tell you right now that this, it looks like his wife is actually dancing for him, which is altogether a good thing. I'm just saying. By the way, by the way, speaking of dancing, it's harder, it's hard, harder to get a woman to dance for a man than it is for the woman to get the man to dance for her. Now, the woman could say, hey, will you dance for me? And we'd probably give it up, right? We'd do it, but it's probably not going to look very good. But to have your wife dance for you, whole different thing. I believe it's something very God-honoring in my humble opinion. So that was free. Now, let's get back to our story. Solomon compliments his wife by, listen, if you you know this whole story, we're not going to go through the whole story today, but it'd be worth your reading. But The first time Solomon does this, he kind of starts at her head and he goes all the way down to her feet. Here we are in chapter 7. He's doing something very similar as she's dancing. He starts to compliment her from the ground up, which is very, very cool. This guy's good. He's he's good. Here's what he says, verse 1. He says, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O princess's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands he's good. He's good. This is like Hallmark stuff. He, he's just getting warmed up. Verse 2, your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. I don't even have a clue what that means, but it sounds romantic. <laughs> and then he, And then he says, your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Now, who am I to criticize Solomon? I do have to say there, guys, I don't recommend you comparing your wife's ways to a mound of anything. (laughs) Just just saying. I'm not sure that's the best word, Solomon, to use there, but he's the master, so who am I to say? Then he goes on in verse 3. He jumps a little. He says, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. He mentions that twice, so evidently he's pretty excited. There's two of them because he keeps pointing them out. You following me? <laughs> this is the Bible. I'm just interpret. I'm just sharing you with you. We're gonna watch him though as he compliments her very, very specifically. He, he's not just thinking positive things. He's actually letting them come out of his mouth as words, and he's blessing his wife by saying them. In fact, what's one of the most common? I would say it's the most complimentary and loving things that almost every every couple does. Not every couple, but most of them do. If you have a pretty good marriage, you probably do it regularly, and that is you say, I love you. If you get off the phone, I mean, sometimes it can be so uh, habit-forming, right? But I love you, I love you, love you. Hey, I'm leaving today, love you. See you later, love you, right? You know what I'm saying. But if you want to change the dynamics of your relationship in a big way with a small tweak... Let me tell you how to do it. Instead of just saying, love you, love you, I love you, I love you, hey, see ya later, goodbye, I love you, if you want to do one thing that will change in a big way your marriage, after you say, I love you, add one word and then fill in the blank. I'm not just going to say, I love you, I'm going to add one word, I'm going to say, I love you because... And then fill in the blank. I'm telling you, if you will begin to do that, it will become habit and it will elevate your relationship. It will elevate your marriage. I love you because you are so kind and faithful to me. I love you because you know what? You always put us before you do your career. I love you because you're a great mother. You're a great father. I love you because you're a great grandpa, a great grandma. I love you because, listen, the way you cook, the way that you take care of me, I just love you because of the way you put our family so high on your priorities. I love you because you love Jesus. I I love you because. You see what I'm saying? Whenever you do something like that, you're going to elevate it. So when you think something good, you're just going to say it. Because if you don't say it, your spouse is going to assume the opposite. That's what we do. We just assume if we don't hear good things, they're thinking bad things. And that's not what you want, right? We're all guilty of that. It'd be something as simple as, or not as simple as, like, man, I cleaned the entire house. And you came home. And you've been here 1.4 seconds and you didn't even notice. Are you kidding me? I cooked a wonderful meal for you. And you ate the whole meal up. I poured my heart and soul into it and you didn't say anything. Right? Then you... <laughs> my wife just said, yeah. Right, this is going to be a good... This is a good day. <laughs> but I mean, really, right? Maybe you're the mom you cook for the... The cookie monsters every day, you set food down, you're trying to prepare it and do it and you're thinking of all your family in mind of who likes what and doesn't, and you put it all down, the cookie monster, and nobody says anything. When you think something good, we have to say it. Otherwise, people assume the opposite. This last year when my wife's dad was ill and she was going back and forth to Nebraska several times. And one of the times, it was for over 30 days, which or about 30 days, which is the longest we've ever been apart from each other in 40 years of our marriage. And, and fortunately, our marriage is strong, but it's still, we missed each other, right? And I knew she was where she needed to be, and we had already talked through that, but it still makes it difficult, right? And so we'd wake up, and we didn't wake up next to each other. We'd go to bed, and we'd just talk on the phone, and and right? And so I'm not a big texter normally, because I'm like, why would I go backwards in technology and type something out? And when I can actually hear someone's voice, that's just me. But anyway, you know, she likes the text. And I knew sometimes if she was busy, so I texted something. And I don't remember exactly what I texted. But basically, you know, like, good morning or something. I love you. And might have said something a little romantic, right? And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and it doesn't come back. And it's like, come on, it's been two minutes. Like, what's going on? Don't you care about me anymore? I mean, come on. It's been a long time. And then five minutes went by, and then 10 minutes went by. And it was like an hour later, I get that text message back, and she says something a little romantic back, and I was like, oh, she does still care. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's all right. We're good. We're good. But you following me? When you think something good, say it. Don't withhold a blessing from someone you love. Get it out. Say it. Because if you don't, they're missing a blessing. They have no idea they're not mind readers. And so we're going to do it every single time. And this is what Solomon does. Look at verse 5. He says, your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. He says, the king is held captive by its tresses. The word captive is a word in the Hebrew that actually means like a prisoner put into bonds. He, he, he's, what he's saying to his wife is, listen, when you do that hair flip thing, when you tuck it behind your ear, like it's like I'm a prisoner. I'm captivated by you. Listen, th- th- he means it, and he's spitting it out, and it's affecting his wife. I mean, she feels very loved and valued. This is good stuff. And then I, I apologize that verse 7 and 8 that's going to show up on the screen, I somehow left it off of your note sheet, so you might want to ver- write chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Um, trust me, and guys, you'll want to note this because this is just a cool verse, cool, cool passage. And I just need to say, when we approach these verses, you've got to do it with caution and do it with wisdom from heaven. All right? This is what he says. He says to his wife, your stature is like that of a palm. He's not talking about the palm of her hand. He's talking about her stature is like that of a palm tree. And your breasts, here we go again, are like clusters of fruit. Now, normally I'm talking with my hands, and I quite honestly, I probably should put them in my pocket because I'm not even sure how I can talk about this verse with clusters of fruit and palm trees and with my hands out so he says you're like a palm and your breasts are like clusters of fruit and then notice what he says in verse 8 this is so good i will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit that's what he's saying that's in the bible (laughs) guys you think that the bible is boring men this is in the bible i'm going to climb the tree and grab the fruit now, if you're going to use that one, be careful because at best, there's a 50-50 chance this goes well for you. <laughs> okay, I'm just telling you. It just depends on the day. It depends on the mood. It probably, how good did you let those words, the good things you thought, say it, right? Or you didn't say it. Because, But I'm just telling you, it's like 50-50 because one day it's like, oh, cool, like climb the tree, grab the fruit. And the next day you're like, get away from me. I never want you to touch me again. I'm just saying so, guys, use, use your judgment there. Let the Spirit guide you before you attempt to climb the palm tree. Okay. So, evidently, she's in a good mood. She likes him, and she says this in verse 10. I belong to my beloved, and his desire is for me. She clearly understands she's loved, that she's desired, that she's honored by him that he loves her. The word in the Hebrew is a very powerful word. It's the word tashaka, Toshaka to mean to desire. It's like when you saw an animal, like a predator, a lion chasing a gazelle, and it's kind of like, ah, gotcha. That's what that word really means. It's I really desire you. I, I, I'm attracted to you. I, I want you. I I'm, love you. And she's like, he tashakas me. He's pursuing me. She doesn't feel unloved. She doesn't feel cheap. She feels beautiful. She feels cherished. She feels honored. This is not some pickup line. This is true love that's being expressed here, and she feels it, and she understands it. So Solomon is a master of every time you think something good, you say it every single time. Number two, if you think something special, do it. If you think something good, say it, but if you think of something special, do it. And I want to break this point down two different ways. There's two bullets there. The first one that I'm going to talk about is purposeful time. If you think about going something, going somewhere to do something special together, don't just think about it, make it happen. Again, good intentions versus actions, we're trying to close the gap. We've all thought about, oh, it'd be nice, we ought to get away for a weekend. We ought to do that for a night. We ought to go there and do that, and it just keeps getting pushed on the to-do list, and you don't do it. That's the gap between your intentions and your actions. We need to close this gap. So we need to make it a priority. If you think about doing something special... Put it in action, put a plan together, and do it. That's purposeful time. This is what Solomon's wife does, verse 11. She says, Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside, let us spend the night in the villages. In other words, she's suggesting, she's thinking of something good, let's get a bed and breakfast. Let's get a nice hotel room somewhere, and let's just spend some time together. Let's get away without the kids. Let's get them at grandma's or whatever, a babysitter, and let's go. She's thinking about it, but she didn't just think about it. She's thinking something special. She's trying to put a plan into action. By the way, let me just tell you, if you're married and you don't at least one time a year plan a time where just you and your husband or you and your wife go away from the kids, away from your home, away from your day-to-day activities... You need to do it at least once a year, at least once a year. Other than COVID season, I don't think in 40 years that my wife and I have been married that we didn't take at least one weekend getaway somewhere when our kids were young, when they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And even though they're gone, you say, we well, you don't even have to go away. Yeah, but there's still something about getting out of the day-to-day routine and out of the same environment, and, and it's, it's amazing. When we do that, listen, we have great time. It just lets you focus on each other. It's just a different thing, and I'm just going to tell you: um, you say, I, "I don't know if we can afford to." You can't afford not to. Make it a priority. We we have resources for what really matters to us, and, and it's not that expensive. You can certainly do that once a year. And I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, our lives can be so chaotic when we had small when our kids were small, but now it's with grandkids and their schedule, schedule, schedule. And every weekend, you know, I don't, we don't do anything on Saturday night because my brain's not that big. I have to re-put stuff in what I worked on during the week to get it back in my brain to have something to say on Sunday. And so Saturday nights are just, and so we go through seasons of this and we just need to get away. And, and so do you. And so when I get away with her, we laugh our heads off. I mean, she's funny. We have a blast. There's always something that goes on. There's always something, you know, and then, you know, you're rolling on the floor laughing and then, you, you know, then you roll on the floor and do other things, whatever. I mean, it just, it's fun. It's just fun. Purposeful time. Pur- purposeful time. Didn't I tell you we'd have fun today? And this, this is, I'm just sharing God's word with you. But anyway, if you want to have a marriage that most people don't have, you're going to have to learn to say no to what many people are saying yes to but that also means you're gonna to have to say yes to the things that other couples are saying no to. I'm just telling you, I don't want my, when my kids were growing up, and I looked at most marriages around the world, I don't want, and I did not want, my kids to have a normal marriage. I don't want my grandkids, as I look around today and see what normal marriages look like, I don't want my grandkids to have a normal marriage. I don't, it, normal is not good. Normal is not okay. I grew up in a normal marriage home. My parents divorced when I was eight. My wife grew up in a normal married home. Neither one of us, when we got married, wanted normal. We didn't want what we saw. We wanted something different. And God certainly blessed us by putting some people around us. Both of us gave our lives to Christ. We had mentors around us that modeled what a healthy marriage is like. And, And we are so much better today because of that. And so, listen... I just can't say enough about purposeful time in your relationships. Um, Let's look at verse 12. Here we go on with the story. Um, She goes on to say this. We're going to go and get a little bed and breakfast. Then she said, let's get up, let's go early to the vineyards and see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There, get this, there I will give you my love. woo Let's get away. Let's go celebrate in the park. Now, obviously, this was before Google satellite images, (laughs) right, happened. This was before it was illegal to do that. Um, But anyway, on a side note, she's saying, I understand your desire for me. I understand your honor and you loving me and cherishing me. And I love the things that you say and let's get away and just have some focused time between you and I. They're tracking together. Ladies, can I just tell you something? If you say that to your husband, because you've been planning a trip away, and you say, hey, I can't wait. You know, on Monday, you say, hey, Friday, remember, we're going away. He's going to have the best week he's had. Guys, you'd be amazed if you think something good and you say it and you have a consistent pattern of this and you plan a trip, you 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 arrange for the kids to go to grandma's or whatever and you let her know during the week, like, hey, we're going to go away this weekend, you need to pack, you got a couple of days, what about the kids, they already got that taken care of and you make some plans, can I just tell you, you she will light up, she will have the best week and you guys will have a great, great time because men are going to walk away, man, man, I wish my wife was like that, you know what she's saying, I wish my husband was like him. Right? So just think about this. You 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 want her to know you're thinking about her. You've been planning, you, you got purposeful time. You guys are on the same page. Let's do some things together. The second part of that is the second bullet point is thoughtful acts. Thoughtful acts. You've got to do it in thoughtful acts. This is this is what she does for him. She's very thoughtful. Look at verse 13. She says: the mandrakes send out their fragrances. And at our door is every delicacy. In other words, one of the things she did is she went grocery shopping, right? She got all the things that he knew, look, both new and old, that I have stored up for you. Not only did she go to the grocery store and buy certain things, she was storing up certain things as she was planning this trip. You following me? Now you may say, what in the world are mandrakes? They were actually, believe it or not, thought to be an aphrodisiac. So there was a thing here. They were also thought to be Um, to make people desire one another. They were also used, they believed, as a fertility thing. So she's like, she's really thinking. She's been saving the mandrakes. She's been storing them up. I want to get away with you. We're going to have some great fun. I've been anticipating this, and now I'm sharing it with you so you can anticipate this is going to be a great, great thing. Now, guys, we need to... I got to share with you a secret that I learned probably when I was about 30 years old. So I've known it for quite a while now. But when back then, when we were, when I was doing Crossroads and I was doing a series on marriage and trying, you know, ladies' view and guys' view, I sat down with a bunch of ladies from all ages. And because I wanted to learn this, I wanted to hear what they said to add it into my message. Like, ladies, like, what is it that your husband could do for you that, that like, re- you would really, really appreciate? Like, that w- would be a game changer, really meaningful, like, you know, to, to, where you guys would come together. And I was thinking, you know, I'm probably going to hear, I know I'm going to hear some of the cliche things like, oh, it'd be nice if he'd send me flowers once in a while. It'd be nice if he sent me a card. It'd be nice if he brought home chocolates. I didn't hear that. You know, I heard from the ladies, this is this is interesting. Thoughtful acts is what these ladies said. All different ages they said thoughtful acts. Like if my husband would clean the house, that would be so romantic to me. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Romantic to clean the house? That's She's coming from a different place. If if he would help get the kids ready for bed, give them their baths, get them ready for bed so I could do other things, that would be so romantic to me. If my husband would, like, get up early and help me get the kids ready to school or pack their lunches, that would be so romantic to me, right? And I'm walking away going, are you kidding me? I've been doing all the wrong things. And let me just tell you, I'm a pretty quick learner on some things that really matter. And our kids were the cleanest kids in the block. They got bad. Are you, are you, what, Dad, we just had a bath. You're getting another bath, right? I mean, we're, we're going to wash you good from head to toe. But what the ladies were saying is because they felt served, they felt honored, they felt appreciated. It was so thoughtful, and it didn't cost a bunch of money. It doesn't cost anything to get up early and pack lunch. It doesn't cost anything for you to help clean the house, clean up the dishes, whatever the case is. It, does, it just says, I care about you in a language that she understands and appreciates. And you know what? If the truth or known, we all love it when we're treated that way. I, I mean, if you think if your husband or your wife does something for you and you know the only reason they're doing it is probably because they know you appreciate it, that just does something. I mean, I told you about our bed making thing, right? That's one of the, that was like the 11th commandment in our house. I didn't even know that, but it is. So I love a bed that's well put together. And I know, guys, I'll probably lose some bonus points with you for saying this, but I love it when we we got like that, a special um, top blanket it's actually really fancy. It's, well, not real fancy. It's just really cool looking. And we've got some of those matching cool pillows that you cover over your other pillows with. I love it when she makes the bed that way. And there's something about pulling all that stuff off and pulling and clean sheets. Oh, my goodness. Like when, when Debbie surprises me and like washes the sheets and then makes the whole bed. <laughs> it's like this is so cool. I mean, to get into nice crisp sheets that smell great, that aren't all wrinkly, and you could just tell when you slip into them, it's like nobody has slipped into these sheets since they've been washed. And I mean, I'm just going to blow this out of the water by telling, and then the best invention ever to have a bed jet in those sheets, and you don't you're not even react because you don't even know what a bed jet is. You, this is the best invention ever. Because for people like me that are hot or you, maybe you get cold or whatever, it's a machine that goes under your bed with a tube that goes into a special sheet and you can control the temperature. You can make the covers all lift up like that before you even go to bed. You can control it on your iPad so you slip into sheets that are air-raised with the perfect air temperature that you want and it lasts all night. I mean, it's it's the best. Listen, when you get to heaven, those of you that make it, every bed's going to have a bed jet. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, they're going to have a bed jet. And it's, it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But when I crawl into those sheets that have been freshly washed, I know she did that for me. Not that she doesn't care. She likes them too, but I just know she knows that I really appreciate that. And it just clicks in my mind she was thinking about me and cared about my thoughts and did that. That makes me feel special. Do you, are you tracking with me? So when you think something good, you're going to say it. When you think something special, you're going to do it. And here's number three. If you want something different, be it. If you want something different in your relationship, in your marriage, then you need to be different. You need to be it. You can't say, yeah, if he would just be like Solomon, if she would just be like Solomon's wife. No, you, if you want to see change, you be it. The only person you can control effectively is yourself. So if you want to see some change, be it. If you don't like what you're getting, then you need to look at what you're giving. That's what we're saying. If you don't like what you're getting, oh, if she would just do this, if he would just do this, you know, if you'd start doing that, I'd start doing this. No, you do it first. You be it. Now, for some of you, unfortunately, you're probably in a position where you would want to push back on me and say you just don't know what my relationship is like you just don't know what my marriage is like you don't know about this you don't know about that you don't know about this you don't know about that and you're right I don't I wouldn't belittle anyone's situation but I can tell you this there's help available for one number two that does not mean that what's happening is okay But it also doesn't mean that you can't, between you and God, start to say, God, what can I do differently? Well, that doesn't excuse whatever their spouse is doing. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you can still begin to apply this even in your circumstance. There is hope available. When I look and I see in the world today, again, I don't want my grandkids to have a normal marriage. I don't want my kids to have a normal marriage. Um, I don't want those of you that call Crossroads your church home, to have a normal marriage relationship. And I believe you would want it to be better. I don't believe any of us have the corner on the market and have everything perfectly. I can be some change that I want to see. I can take the initiative on the things that I'm looking at and do marriage in a way that honors God and that honors my wife. We just need to take some different approaches. We need to, when we think something good, we need to say it. When We we can look at circumstances and say, wow, I'm going to spend some purposeful time. I'm going to plan this, right? When I think of something special, we're just going to do it. Maybe we can't do everything, but we can do something. And everything that you can do doesn't cost money. There's ways to do that or make it a priority. Maybe it is only once a year, but that doesn't mean that there's not things 52 weeks a year that you can implement. Some of those simpler things that I talked about. But I'll tell you, I'll promise you, your marriage, your marriage, your marriage can be as good as both of you choose for it to be. Your marriage can be as good as both of you choose it to be, and you're one part of that equation. You want to see change, be it. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take closing the gap between this is what my intentions were and this is what my action is. How do I close the gap with this practical stuff? I want to close out this whole series with what Solomon's wife says. She feels loved. That's apparent. She feels honored. She feels cherished. And look at what she says, what's in her heart. Here's what she says in verse, eight, or verse 6 of chapter 8. Place me like a seal over your heart like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. She says, place, place me like a seal over your heart. In other words, I'm yours forever and you're mine forever. My, de- my desire is for you. I want to serve God with you forever. Isn't that a powerful? We've had a lot of fun because this is a lot of fun, but I want to close with saying something serious. Debbie, you're my dream girl. I mean, you really are. I thank God for you. I love serving Jesus with you. I can't thank you enough for being with me for all of these years. Uh, This church, I wouldn't be half of who I am without you. This church wouldn't be the church that it is without you. And um, I just want you to know that. And just for the record, I'm not expecting anything tonight out of this whole thing. Um, I mean, if that happens, that's just up to you. But anyway. (laughs) Let's pray together. God, I thank you so, so much uh, for laughter. I thank you for love. I thank you for these words of wisdom. I thank you for your solid truth. God, as we look at relationships, we look at marriages, we've looked at dating, we've looked at forgiveness, we've looked at forgiving ourselves, we've looked at what your plan is for marriage. And God, as we look around, there's so many marriages that just are not a reflection of this. I pray that people walk out of here today with hope, with encouragement, that if they want to see something different, they need to be it. That every time we think of something good to say, we're gonna say it. When we think of something special, we're gonna do it. That we're in this together. That you do something supernatural when a man and a woman come together in holy matrimony and don't make a contract, but they make a blood covenant. And they place you at the center because you're at the center of each one of those hearts already when we do things your way, the results, God, are mind-boggling. The results make the world just look and scratch their head almost in disbelief. God, the fact that I'm standing here 40 years into marriage, experiencing a marriage better than I ever saw modeled when I was a kid, that kind of thought marriage was just okay, it's something you endure, It's something that after the first year, the honeymoon's over and you just kind of exist. That that's not your plan. That's not the way you planned it. That's not the way it has to be. And you've just given us very practical words that show us that. God, I pray that we all walk away more in love with your word, more committed to reading it, to applying it and closing the gap between good intentions and what our actions are. So I pray for every marriage. I pray for all of those that are seeking to be married one day. That they don't settle. That they don't allow someone to use or abuse them. But they do it your way. They protect their purity. They protect their heart. They raise their expectations of what a spouse would look like. How they worship. What do they spend their time doing? The relationship with you. So God, I pray for every marriage that's struggling. I pray for those that are somewhere in the middle. I pray for those that are in a great place. But I pray that every single one of us would take a page from today and we'd apply it. If you're here today or watching online, you've never given your life to Christ. Can I tell you that is step number one? The God that wrote all this, the God that loves marriages, the God that created Solomon and his wife is the same God that created you. And he's madly in love with you. He wants a personal relationship with you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, he loves you. God so loves you that he sent his one and only son so that whoever would put their faith and trust in him would never perish but have everlasting life, eternal life, heaven life. It's a gift that is given to anyone who will admit that they're a sinner, that they're not doing things perfectly, that they're not doing things God's way. If you will turn from your way of doing life. That's repentance. And turn and put your faith in Jesus, the one and only way to heaven. And invite him to be Savior and Lord of your life. He will come in and take residence in your heart through his Holy Spirit. He will forgive you of all that you've ever or will ever do wrong. He says he throws your sins in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered anymore. And he will adopt you into his family never to be unadopted. And no matter how long you live, you live with eternal life. Whether you have five years or 50 years left or 100 years left, heaven will be your home. Not because you're good, not because you earned it, but because you received the gift that couldn't be earned. The grace and the gift of eternal life that only comes through the person of Jesus who gave his life on a cross. Not to pay for anything he did wrong, but to pay for what you and I did wrong. I'm telling you, A marriage of two will never be what God wants it to be. A marriage of three with God at the center of each heart and in the center of the marriage is where it's at. Applying God's word is where it's at. Applying these very simple steps, values, lived out will change your marriage. If you've never given your life to Christ, here's your chance. Right wherever you're at, say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. I know you are. So God, right now I repent. I turn from doing life my way and I turn and put my faith in you, Jesus, for what you did for me on that cross. And not only did you suffer and die on that cross, three days later you defeated death. So that whoever puts their faith in you will not die. Physically, yes. The real us, our soul, never. And it will spend eternity with you. I receive that gift gladly today. And from this day forward, I want to learn to love you like you love me. I want to use my time, my talent, and my resources that you put in my hands to point other people to you. And God, I want you to do a work in me, in my relationships, in my marriage, in my soon-to-be marriage, in my dating, that I don't settle. I don't need to. I'm looking for someone that's as in love with you as I want to be. And God, help me close the gap between good intentions and actions. We say thanks. We give you all the name, all the praise and the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus. And everybody said,